Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Mark Brennan. Mark, it's always a pleasure. Great to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, Not many stories, I think, shock you these days, but I was really taken aback when I saw Jay Wright was retiring. What did you think when you heard it? Yeah, I, you know, as a longtime Philadelphia 76ers fan, uh, every time that job opened, I was kind of hoping that Jay Wright would take it, but I guess he's, you know, he's saying he's out of coaching for good. So, listen, you know, it seems to me, I I don't know Jay. Uh, I I know of the program, obviously, you know, I'm a guy who's been a big Philadelphia fan and has always followed uh, Villanova. Uh, but it seems to me like he's accomplished what he thought he wants to, to accomplish, and you can't argue with that. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I was stunned to hear that he's only 60 years old. I mean, that's right. kind of, you know, put, putting things into some perspective. But, you know, credit to him for, for walking away when, when he's happy to, to walk away. It's interesting that Roy Williams walked away. Now, I know Mike Krzyzewski's 75, and now Jay Wright's yeah. walking away. Should we read into anything with the way the current climate is in in college sports with this happening with veteran coaches, or is that too much of a leap? I think it might be a little bit too much of a leap. I mean, I, I know where you're coming from with uh, the transfer portal and all the NIL stuff. It's really become uh, just a completely different thing. But I think with all of those coaches, Steve, they were so well-established and had accomplished so much. Uh, that to to me, I, I could understand them just walking away because they felt it was the time to walk away. Obviously, with Coach K, uh, you know, I, it's just I, I think it's very difficult. With all due respect to anybody who's coached into their later years, I just think anymore it's very difficult to do that. And just with everything those guys accomplished, um, I think they just have so much they could hang their hats on. But yeah, I mean, I would say maybe a, a little bit. Uh, but but to me, I think where you might see a difference, and I don't know how we would ever quantify this, is less people willing to be to, to get in it and stay in it for a long, long time. You know, less people getting out after ten years, or people getting out after twelve years. You know, that sort of thing because it just grinds them down. All right, uh, and. Quickly on the Penn State basketball front, two transfers are definitely in. Andrew Funk from Bucknell, Cameron Winter from Drexel. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on the two of them coming in? Because obviously with another one available, they'd like to get a big man in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Cameron is a is a, a, a guy who, uh, terrific point guard, very well-rounded. I mean, the one thing he did not do well last year, I think you know this, is shoot the three. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I think bringing in a guy like Funk, you know, they kind of complement one one another. I don't know how much they'll actually be on the court together with all the other pieces that Penn State has. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're bringing in two guys who, who are going to complement the players who are there. But I do think it's imperative for them to get another big guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at who they lost, uh, the, the amount of minutes, the amount of production that John Harrod gave you. Yeah. Uh, to rely on two true freshmen to come in and kind of handle that load, I think would be very difficult to do. So two nice additions. I also like the fact that they were able to, you know, look around the state, 
see two guys who were very good at the mid-major level in state and give these guys an opportunity. Obviously, you know, these kids aren't from Pennsylvania per se, but to give both of these guys an opportunity, uh, you know, it's just kind of going back to, to what we were talking about earlier. It's a whole new ball game for these coaching staffs. No longer right. do you just have to scout uh, high school players. You really have to be scouting throughout the year uh, other college players, you know, just wondering who's going to come open. And when they do, you know, make a move early and, and get them in here. But clearly in these first few years, it's probably going to be this way uh, forever. But I think in the first couple years of the Micah Shrewsbury tenure, the transfer portal has been big and I think will continue to be big. All right, so let's transition now to football. Uh, as you sit down and go through the checklist of what you're looking for uh, on Saturday, what would be some of the things and items that would be on that checklist? I think number one is the offensive line. I mean, I know that, that they've been banged up uh, and, uh, you know, not everybody who will be playing uh, will be playing will be playing next season will be there uh playing uh this saturday you know including a guy like hunter norzad the uh the, the guy the, the transfer who's coming in but the the line to me last year i went into last season thinking that had the opportunity to be a strength and, and frankly it wasn't and you know i think what we're in year two or three under phil trout wine I think we want to start seeing these guys showing some cohesion and kind of coming together. So that's one area. I think obviously, you know, everybody's talking about the backup quarterbacks. I'll be surprised if we see a whole heck of a lot of Sean Clifford just because we don't have to. So, you know, what do we see? Uh, what do we see from a Veyu? What do we see from Alar and from uh, Bo Pre- if I can spit it out. That's okay. That's my job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you actually do it on the fly, which I don't know how the heck you do it. And listen, everybody's hearing really, really good things. And I know I can't put you in a spot, but all we're hearing is great things about Nick Singleton. So I'm anxious to get a look at him and see what they actually allow him to do or whether they want to try to keep that under, under wraps. And over on defense, just how everybody's kind of adjusting to Manny Diaz. I mean, you know, he, it seems to me when we talk to the players and to the other coaches, the one thing that has, uh, I don't want to say jumped out, but the, the one thing that I think has been a common thread has been his ability as, abilities as a communicator. Yeah. And, you know, to, to step into a situation like this where Brent Pry did a tremendous job, was beloved by his players, mm-hmm. that's not always an easy thing to do. But to be able to step in, be your own personality, not try to be Brent Pry, and install your stuff. You know, to me, I, from, from all indications, the communication has been there. And then I think everybody, listen, if, you, if people haven't heard about this kid, keep an eye on Zane Durant. He's, uh, appears to, he appears to be an undersized defensive tackle. But he is, uh, what, 285 pounds or whatever it is of pure muscle, early enrollee, D-tackle. He's going to be a guy who plays a lot of football. Now, I'm not saying he's going to start, but everybody is talking this kid up. And, Steve, you've been in this long enough to know that one of the most difficult spots to make an immediate impact Mm -hmm. at the college level, you know, one is obviously offensive line and one is defensive line. For an early enrollee 
who should still be in high school now to come in and be the talk of spring camp, I, I think that's that's impressive. And, you know, I'm hoping they let him loose a little bit. I'm anxious to see what he does. And that, that'll be fun to see how that defensive line in general, you know, a decent Isaac coming back, Hakeem Beeman, uh, that kind of goes in line with what I said about the offensive group. You know, I think you have a lot of talent there. Let's see how these two, two, two groups kind of go at one another. A lot of people obviously are incredibly curious and justifiably so about Drew Aller and Bo Perbula. Uh, yeah. Christian Veyu went through spring practice last year, and it was the first time he'd done any football work of any kind because his fall season in 2020 was canceled. What are you looking for out of him now that he has a year under his belt? Well, yeah, and I think the other thing, Steve, was the opportunity that he got uh, in the Rutgers game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is just absolutely invaluable. Mm-hmm. So not only did he go in, but he went in and he was a productive player, and they didn't really dumb everything down for him. I mean, you know, I don't think it was the entire thing that, that Clifford would have run. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so now all of a sudden, I, I think you look back to where they were last year, and this is uh, with all due respect to where Veyu was at that point, but you, you, as you said, he didn't play his senior year. And Taquan Roberson, I mean, they had one proven quarterback at the D1 level in the program. Now I think you, you can say you have two, and I think you have two guys who project as that. So all of a sudden you have four legit D1 QBs and that's a much different position than where they were. And I think we all know, you know, we could look back and again, take one uh, Roberson, tremendous kid. Uh, I think he was just in over, over his head. And we saw that out at the Iowa game. How might that whole season be a little bit different if they had a more prepared backup at that point? And I think, I think it would have been a lot different. What is your post-game approach as to how you write about blue-white games, considering it is a spring scrimmage and they won't be back in camp until the beginning of August? What is the approach you like to take from a writer's point of view? I don't want to give away my secrets. No, I've said this before, <laughs> but, but what I'll do, Steve, seriously, what I'll try to do, is we're going to have media room access with players for the first time since pre-pandemic, okay? So that's number one. Yep. So that's, that is in and of itself is going to be interesting, and I really welcome that back. But I'm going to look around, and I'm going to see where the biggest crowd of people is, and I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Right. And I'm going to look for guys who, uh, who maybe we haven't had as much chance to talk to. You know, maybe uh, uh, Malik Mega, you know, uh, mm-hmm. ma- maybe some of these younger guys. Now, they they don't allow the true freshmen to talk, the early enrollees. I'm not sure if they'll allow any of the uh, the true freshmen from last year to talk, uh, which is fine. I never have any issue with that. I know people have always complained, even back under Joe, and it's like, you know what? We will have plenty of time to talk to these guys throughout right. their careers. Right. There's no reason to rush it. I know when I was in college, Obviously, I didn't play sports at anything close to this level, but I would have been terrified as a freshman to have to face goofballs like me. <laughs> but I think that's one of the real keys. And I, and I try to do the same thing at Media Day uh, where you see where the crowd is. Everybody's going to have that, right? 
So I think it's more important to go and talk to some of the people you've never really had a chance to talk to. I always remember, I forget which year it was, you know, you're better with these years than I was, but um, we're at uh, football media day and nobody was around Daryl Clark, like nobody. <laughs> right. I think he had just come into the program. You know, there was some academic issues or something. Right. Uh, and yeah, he'd, I, gone, I he'd, gone, he'd gone to Kiski, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it was he had committed one year, and then he had to go to Kiski. And the thing about Daryl Clark, I, this isn't a knock on him because anybody who's ever talked to him, he's a super intelligent guy. No doubt. So I'm not sure what happened during his high school career. But the point being, uh, I think that was back when it was Morelli and who else was going at it. I mean, there were people competing for the job. Morelli was the well-known quarterback. And there's Daryl Clark sitting by himself. And you know this, Steve, because you've talked to Daryl Clark a lot. But I went over and I talked to Daryl Clark one-on-one. And, wow, I'm just like, this kid is something else. And, of course, as he goes through his career, everybody gets how intelligent he is. Everybody gets his personality. But I was fortunate enough to see that relatively early. I was able to do that with C.J. Thorpe as well, even though C.J. is the guy who moved on from Penn State. But you get to know some of these younger players. And, you know, I I know that you talked to Tyler Donahue earlier. A lot of our recruiting people get to know them even earlier than that. Mm -hmm. But to get to know some of these young guys, I think, is always kind of a fun thing to do, to talk to them for the first time. Uh, One final question that deals with rules. The NCAA came out with uh, rule changes. And, you know, for the most part, they're pretty, you know, they're subtle and they're fine. But one was... If you get a targeting call in the second half of a game, you can then appeal it, and the NCAA will review it. And if they see it your way, the player can play in the first half of the next game. If they don't, you see still out of the first half of the next game. What did you think of that? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think anything where that you can use video to get something right. Uh, listen, I think we all know that being an official is a very difficult job and to try to make those bang-bang decisions on those little micro TVs and stuff, even if you have help from up in the booth. You know, to, to me, if you have time to take a step back and get it right, I, I think that's, that, that's a good thing. I have no issue with that whatsoever, so long as they do it the right way. And again, I think that putting in that rule, the spirit of it is in the right place. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I like that. You know, I like the fact that they didn't make these poor players take that walk of shame after they, yeah. you know, were know. penalized right. and yeah. you know, make them leave. And, yeah. yeah, that to me, I don't know who was even thinking about that. Uh, I didn't see the, all the rule changes, but I was really hoping that they would adjust those that overtime rule, Steve, because they didn't. after suffering through that one, I know, that was just – that has to be the dumbest uh, way of overtime, uh, That the dumbest <laughs> – approach to overtime that I've ever thought of. So I was really hoping they would change that, and I'm sorry they didn't. I felt like I was doing World Cup, World Cup penalty kicks. All right. Well, I was down on, I was down shooting video on the field, so imagine me. I'm old oh. and, and decrepit and tired, and I'm, I'm running from one end of the field to oh, the other. Man. It was hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Mark, always a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yeah, it should be a fun time. It should be. I think it's going to be good weather eventually. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that the blue-white game is back. Listen, Steve, first time since 2019. This is such a big part of not only Penn State, but James Franklin said it yesterday, of this entire State College community. You and I are now State College guys. 
And to have this back, to, to do what it does for in a positive way for all these local businesses, yeah. I just think it's such a great thing. So I'm, I'm happy that it's back and look forward to seeing you and everybody else Saturday. That's great. Well said, Mark. Thanks so much. Appreciate yeah. it. Sure. Thank you, Steve.